Hello and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Phil, I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. We're here to provide great Christian resources to help us all to be courageous in mission, Bible-saturated, spirit-dependent and loving of others. If this is your first time here, please hit like and subscribe below or send me an email to stay in touch. We've got an alpha course coming up and we're thrilled to uh, say that there's going to be a place on it for you or for your friends or family if they would like to explore the big meaning, big questions of life. Like why are we here? What is the meaning of life? And who is Jesus? So we'd love to have a chance to uh, get together with them and include them in a low pressure and friendly environment. Why not sign up today by sending me an email on the address next to me? We're at the start of a series of reflections, thinking about the people and the community that God wants us to be. And we're using the book of 2 Corinthians in the Bible to help us do that. Last week, Heather helped us to think about the importance of us being God's witnesses in the world. And this week, we're going to dive deeper into this and think about being people with a purpose. What is our purpose in life and how can we be people with a purpose? Before we dig into what St Paul has to say about it, here's our lunchtime summary. This is a snappy summary of what we're learning so that uh, you can tell anybody who asks you, what did you learn in the video this morning? This is it. God wants us to be people with a purpose, bringing his message of love and hope to others. God wants us to be people with a purpose, bringing his message of love and hope to others. God wants us to be people with a purpose bringing his message of love and hope to others. Well, purpose is one of the most essential elements of living a good and happy and fulfilling life. I uh, searched around for some resources to uh, indicate how important this is. And I came across this from the psychologist, Dr. Steve Taylor, who wrote uh, these words. The need for purpose is one of the defining characteristics of human beings. Human beings crave purpose and suffer serious psychological difficulties when we don't have it. Purpose is a fundamental component of a fulfilling life. When we don't have that sense of purpose, of what we're meant to do, we suffer. Taylor gives the example of Paul Gascoigne, Gaza to anybody of my generation, He was one of the most gifted football players of all time, famous around the world, but whose life collapsed into alcoholism and allegations of violence once he stopped playing. Gary Lineker, Gaza's former teammate for England, commented that Gaza had never found a purpose to replace football and that this this lay underneath all of his struggles. Hopefully he can find some sort of goal, said Lineker. He needs a reason to want to get better. We need purpose. We're not simply animals, although we share much in common with animals, but we're more than that. We're spiritual beings who are made for something and who know that deep down and need to find what that something is. What is it I'm made for? What's my purpose in life? Of course, that purpose cannot be just anything. Gaza's example shows us that when we make the wrong thing our purpose, eventually it comes to an end and then we're left destitute. To be truly fulfilling, to really satisfy, the purpose we pursue must be that for which we were created. 
I was thinking about using a silly example of this, that I can use my DVD player for all sorts of things, including uh, holding my toast, but it never really finds its true meaning until it's used for the purpose the creator made it for, to play extraordinary movies. The best place to look for purpose is in our creator. And this is what Heather started to talk about in last week's video, and we're going to go into more depth with it now. It's an issue that Paul addressed directly in the next uh, section of his letter to the church in Corinth that we have in 2 Corinthians in our Bibles. And I'm going to read that now. It's just a few verses. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6. Why not read along with me at home? Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He's made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So what's going on here? Well, as we've seen over the last few weeks, Paul started the church in Corinth by teaching them about Jesus while God did amazing things through him for them. Later, however, Paul had to put right abuses and bad behaviour in the church and that caused some pain and this letter is part of the process of reconciliation. There had been conflict, it was necessary and Paul now wants to reconcile with them so they can grow together. Now this whole process was seized upon by some in the church who didn't like Paul. They wanted to use the gospel to gain money for themselves and so they said he wasn't a real apostle and therefore the church didn't have to listen to him. Now, these people weren't true Christian leaders. They were, Paul says, peddlers of the gospel. That's that kind of Del Boy image that Heather was talking about last week. They hawked the gospel around for gain. That is, they said what people needed to, wanted to hear in return for getting money from them. And Paul contrasts that with Paul himself, who says what people need to hear from love for them. In turn, the, Paul, the church then says to Paul, well, we want letters of reference. Why should we listen to you? Give us a reference from your previous church. And don't you want a reference from us? Don't ever, doesn't it matter what, to everybody what we think about you? They said he needed letters of recommendation for other churches before they would continue to listen to him. And Paul replies to them that he doesn't need a letter from anyone else. How ridiculous. The true evidence that he's the one God has chosen as an apostle He's not a reference from another church, but the work God has done in them through him. Now, to get a feel for the dynamic of what's going on here, let's think about a different situation. This is Pep Guardiola. So far to date, his teams have won nine Spanish Cups and titles, five German Cups and titles, four English Cups and titles, three Club World Cups, two European Super Cups and two Champions League titles. Pep is commonly thought to be one of the best coaches working in the world today and possibly ever. He has, in the words of one journalist, revolutionised the game of football. 
Now, can you imagine for a minute if Pep came down from Manchester on the train, let's put lockdown out of our minds, and said, turned up to my Tuesday night under 10s football training and said to me, Phil, I'd love to take this training. What would be the response if I turned around and said, ah, excuse me, Mr Guardiola, do you have the right references? I can't see a letter from Manchester City here saying whether you're any good or not. How do I know you have anything to teach me or these boys? I have a basic FA coaching qualification, so I think I will stay in charge. The certificate says so. Now, imagine that situation. I think the boys would be rioting. The parents would be up in arms. Everyone would say, I was mad. The man's work speaks for himself. He transforms football clubs. Look at what's happened where he coaches. Paul's situation with the Corinthians is even more extreme than this. They are not just looking at what Paul has done in other churches... Paul is saying to them, you yourselves have experienced what God has done through me. God has done amazing things for the Corinthians, both in terms of miracles and more importantly, transforming their lives. Setting them free from sin and giving them relationships with Jesus. That's why Paul says it's absurd to require references from other churches when they've already experienced God's transforming grace through him. In other words, he says... You are the letter of recommendation. Forget this piece of paper. It's not worth the paper. It's printed on. You're the recommendation. Paul uses this situation to go on to teach something about what the Christian life is really about and how it can be lived. The Corinthians and Paul and us are part of something much bigger than they realise that Paul unpacks for them. God has given all of us a purpose. He wants to use us to show his love and his mercy to others. And this is what we're going to look at for the next few minutes. So first of all, getting to understand our purpose. Understanding our purpose starts with understanding who we are. The church isn't just a religious organisation or a club. It isn't a social programme. It isn't just an institution. The church is a place where God's spirit is at work to transform people and bring the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world. Fundamentally, we are people who have come into a new relationship with God through Jesus. Now we work with him and he works in us to bring hope and love to others. Now, the Corinthians didn't really understand this. They they thought that what mattered was the qualifications. They were looking for the piece of paper their leaders had. Whether they were the real deal or how impressively they spoke or they looked or the salary they commanded. How could you be a real apostle, they say at one point to Paul, when you don't take any money from us? Paul says, no, 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 no. True Christian leadership and life is about the presence of God changing us and using us to bring light to others. Now in this, Paul is just echoing what Jesus says. Let's grab our Bibles again. I've got mine here. And look at Matthew chapter 7 and verses 15 to 20. This is what Jesus says. He says, watch out for false prophets. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. In other words, they look good on the outside, but on the inside they're after the sheep. By your fruit you will recognise them. Then Jesus changes his picture. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Now, Jesus is talking to practical people. One of the things I love about Jesus is how easy it is to understand what he's saying. And what he's saying is this. When you judge whether someone is worth listening to, look at what comes from their life. Look at what difference they make. Not how good their clothes are or how well they speak or what certificates they have behind them. In other words, the true Christian life has a purpose. It isn't membership of a club or ticking a box on a form that says Christian, white, English or black, Pentecostal or whatever. It's not about the forms. Being a Christian is about knowing Jesus, allowing him to to change us and then use us for his purposes in the world. Our purpose in life is to know Jesus, to be changed by him and then to let him use us to bring hope to others. So we've got what we are, who we are, and and, and so it's a purpose from that. But, but let's unpack what it is that we're to be used for. What is the purpose behind that then? Well, Paul shows us that God's work points in two different directions. First is to love one another. Now this is inside the church, to love one another. Paul says both that the Corinthians are a letter written on our hearts. In other words, they made an impression on him. He loves them. As Christians, we are to love one another. We should care for one another. Again, I'm primarily talking here about caring for those inside the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be genuinely committed to each other's good putting ourselves out for one another, employing one another. It's that practical. Asking after one another, weeping together, laughing together, praying together, playing together. We're to be those whose lives are written on each other's hearts. If you're in my church, the church which I pastor for Jesus, you are graven on my heart. He's written you on my heart. I pray for you. I weep for you. I care for you. And I want you to do the same for me. Again, this is what Jesus says. Paul is simply applying the teaching of Jesus. Says in John chapter 13, Jesus says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That kind of love is not the the, the love that comes from being born into a family naturally, nor is it the love that comes from being bonded together by joining a, a mutual interest club. It's the love that comes from being brought by Jesus into his spiritual family. It should transcend divisions of race, ethnicity, sex, age, nationality, interest. 
It doesn't matter to me whether you are a black Nigerian, a white Russian, a Chinese American, whether you are male or female, whether you like football or you don't like football, whatever. If you love Jesus and you are brought into his family, then I love you and I want you to love me. And building that community is part of God's purpose for our lives. Your purpose in life, our purpose in life is to know Jesus, to be changed by him and then to let him use that to bring hope to others. So that's the church community is the first part of our purpose. But what about the second part? Well, we're not only to be focused on each other. God wants to make us letters from him to the world. Paul uses that as a picture. He says it's as if God had written on you, I love the world and I want to know it. On Phil. You know, one of the most amazing things I've seen in all my years watching football was the Brazilian World Cup football team on winning the World Cup and seeing them pull up their shirts. And they literally had written all over their shirts, 100% Jesus, Jesus loves you. And they stood there as they won the World Cup displaying this and it was written across their bodies. And you can literally see what it would look like if, if Paul wasn't just using a picture, if this was literally true. Because there were men and women standing there in the, the biggest sporting competition in the world with the eyes of the whole world on them. And in their moment of victory, they pulled their shirts up and written across their hearts was Jesus loves you. 100% Jesus. That letter, Paul says, that God wrote on our hearts is known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, he says, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God on tablets of human hearts. To be seen by everyone. Literally a a message to the world through us about God's love and mercy for them. To call them away from selfishness and pride and sin. To point them to Jesus and the path of love and life. Our purpose in life is to know Jesus, to be changed by him and then let him use us to bring hope to others. Now the details of this will look different for everyone. They depend on context and age and social situation and gifting and all this. Yet at the heart they have this in common. That we allow our lives to be changed by Jesus. That we demonstrate that in the way that we live. And that we explain to others how they can know his power for themselves. Paul puts it this way in his letter to a different church in Philippi this time. This is Philippians chapter 2 and verses 14 to 16. He says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. In other words, in a generation that tends to go off beam, that tends to get out of shape, bent out of shape, and you're going to be straight. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Do you know what stars in the sky do? They look beautiful and people can admire them. They provide light and people can walk by them. And they're used by, they're used by sailors for direction. When they're, when they're voyaging across the ocean. Don't you want to be that to your friends and your family? A light to them to show them the way to live? Something to be admired? Something to be aspired to? A joy of the whole earth is what Jerusalem is called in the Psalms. 
Our purpose in life is to know Jesus, to be changed by him and then to let him use us to bring hope to others. So what does this mean in practice? Well, I want to suggest three things very briefly. First, when we assess Christian leaders or work out who to listen to, and at some point this church will have to go through that process, every church will, and all of us do each day when we're working out which voices to listen to, it's really important to look at the characters of those involved and whether there is evidence that God is working through them. Don't be seduced by good looks, good speech or high level qualifications. Character and Christ at work are more important than all of those things combined. Second, we need to commit to loving one another in practice. Let's make this real. We say it a lot, but it bears repeating. It means calling one another to see how they're doing in lockdown. It means going shopping for people. It means being willing to watch the kids for a parent who's strung out and can't cope. It means being willing to go and befriend the child at school who no one else will play with because they're a part of your church and you should love them anyway. It means forgiving one another. It means being willing to give work to someone. It means being willing to give money to those who need it. Church members and Christians more widely should look out for one another and have each other's backs. We're family. We're family. And third, we need to look for opportunities to share God's love with others through acts of compassion, kindness and support. And by speaking about Jesus and the hope he brings. Here's a practical way of doing that. Why not invite someone to come to one on life at Alpha Course? We've got one starting soon and we'd love to have them involved. It's a great opportunity, it's very low pressure and people's lives are changed dramatically through it. So why not suggest it to someone today? They can drop me an email on the link in the show notes below. God wants us to be people with a purpose, bringing his message of love and hope to others. Stay with us for communion.